In John 6, verse 54, we read, Whoso eateth my flesh, and drinketh my blood, hath eternal life. And I will raise him up at the last day. For my flesh is meat indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. These and other passages of Holy Writ are embodied in the instruction of Lord's Day 29. Do then bread and wine become the very body and blood of Christ? Not at all. But as the water in baptism is not changed into the blood of Christ, neither is the washing away of sin itself being only the sign and confirmation that I've appointed of God, so the bread in the Lord's Supper is not changed into the very body of Christ, though agreeably to the nature and properties of sacraments, it is called the body and blood of Christ Jesus. Why then doth Christ call the bread his body and cup his blood, or the new covenant in his blood, and Paul the communion of the body and blood of Christ, Christ speaks thus not without great reason, namely not only thereby to teach us that as bread and wine support this temporal life, so his crucified body and shed blood are the true meat and drink, whereby our souls are fed to eternal life, but more especially by these visible signs and pledges to assure us that we are as really partakers of the true body and blood by the operation of the Holy Ghost as we receive by the mouths of our bodies these holy signs in remembrance of him and that all his sufferings and obedience are as certainly ours as if we had in our own persons suffered and made satisfaction for our sins to God. In the last Lord's Day, beloved, the sacrament of the Lord's Supper, together with its institution, was discussed in general. In this particular Lord's Day, the Catechism discusses more particularly the sacramental character of the Lord's Supper. And we therefore speak to you in this morning on the Lord's Supper as a sacrament and call your attention to a spiritual nourishment 
a spiritual operation and a spiritual disposition always beloved as long as the new dispensational church exists almost there has been a controversy in the church of Jesus Christ in the world concerning the sacraments both concerning the sacraments of baptism and that of the Lord's Supper. Concerning baptism, you know very well what the controversy is in distinction with those that do not believe in infant baptism. But even within the circle of Reformed churches, that always has been and there still is a controversy especially about the question as to who receive as to who really receive the sacrament of baptism whether all the children that are born of believing parents receive the sacraments or whether the sacrament is really limited to the spiritual and elect seed. Regarding the Lord's Supper, you know too that gradually there arose a controversy which came to a head at the time of the Reformation concerning the Mass. The Roman Catholic Church teaching that the signs of the Lord's Supper worked by themselves. Luther teaching that in and under and with the signs of the broken bread and wine there was present the spiritual body of the Lord Jesus on the table. Zwingli, as he is reputed at least, a teaching that the sacrament of the Lord's Supper really was no sacrament. I doubt whether he taught that, but that's his reputation. And that reputation cannot be removed anymore. While the Reformed churches emphasized that the sacrament is spiritual. And that only in the spiritual sense of the word we eat and drink the Lord's body at his table. Why this controversy you ask? It is not so difficult to give an answer to that question. For the sacraments are according to every 
church, every denomination, means of grace. Not only so, but the sacraments are one of the important marks of the church. And therefore, as the sacraments are attacked or distorted or corrupted, the church and the means of grace are corrupted. And therefore we do well to maintain the truth according to Scripture, the truth of the sacraments. And in this morning hour, particularly, the truth concerning the Lord's Supper from the viewpoint of its being a sacrament that is emphasized in this Lord's Day. As sacraments, as you know, are means of grace, together with the Word of God. No, not the Word of God, the preaching of the Word. The preaching of the Word, together with the administration of the sacraments, are the means of grace. Both are to be ministered or administered by the church. No one but the church and no one but one that is sent by the church can preach the gospel. And no one but the church and that too the church institute can administer the sacrament. There is difference, of course, between the preaching of the word and the sacraments, especially in this respect, uh, that the sacraments must not only be administered, but also be observed by the church. Uh, one could preach the word to a single individual, uh, but it would be quite impossible for a single individual to administer and receive the sacrament. It certainly takes two at least. Especially is that true of the Lord's Supper. The sacrament of baptism can be received provided there is a minister of the word. But the Lord's Supper cannot even be observed and received by one. One cannot administer the sacrament to himself. He cannot sit by the table and eat and drink bread and eat and drink wine and think that he observes the Lord's Supper. Of course not. In the communion of the church, the Lord's Supper is celebrated. And now, a means, beloved, is always something that is taken from the world of our experience. Always. Just as in a natural sense, bread and water and wine and etc., food and drink, are substances taken out of our world. 
not from the angel world, but from our world, and are taken by us in our bodies. So means of grace are means are substances still taken from our world, but now used in order to celebrate the spiritual feast of salvation. That is especially true of the Lord's Supper, also of baptism, but especially of the Lord's Supper. Uh, they are means which God always uses in the same way and which for that reason we can use too. In the natural sense, God uses bread to feed us, never to poison us. And because God uses bread to feed us and to nourish us, and never to poison us, therefore we can trust that God does so or can use it. If God one day uses used bread to poison us and another day to feed us, we could not use bread. But God always uses the means in the same way. That's also true of the word, the preaching of the word, and the sacrament. They are means which God always uses in the same way for his elect to save them and to strengthen them and to nourish their faith. The signs in the Lord's Supper, as you well know, are the bread and the wine. But remember, and that is particularly the point which we must understand in connection with this Lord's Day, those signs are not signs to look at. They're not signs simply to receive. They are signs which demand activity of faith on our part. And demanding activity of faith, the, the activity of faith is illustrated in the eating and the drinking of the bread and of the wine. Moreover, I wish to emphasize especially in this morning hour, for that is essential to understand the reformed conception of the sacraments. I wish to emphasize that there is no sacrament of the Lord's Supper, nor any other sacrament of the baptism either, except as accompanied by the Word. The Word of Christ, the Word of God. And I want to emphasize the Word of God and the Word of Christ, not our Word, not the word simply which the minister speaks, but the word of God and the word of Christ makes the sacrament a spiritual reality. Without it, there would be no sacrament in the church 
I mean, I'm talking about the sacrament as it is uh, explained in this 29th Lord's Day. I'm talking about the sacrament of the Lord's Supper in its sacramental nature, in distinction from the Catholic and the Lutheran and the Zwinglian conception. In baptism, uh, the word of Christ accompanies the sacrament, I baptize thee in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, according to Christ's command. If Christ does not speak, that's my point. If Christ does not speak that word, if that word is only an empty word or a mere word of man, there is no sacrament. That's all. I think that's very important to understand the Reformed conception of baptism and the Reformed conception of the Lord's Supper. If we celebrate the Lord's Supper and Christ does not say to you, not I, but Christ, through, through my word, this is my body. This is my blood. This is the communion of my body. And if Christ does not say to you, do this in remembrance of me, Eat and drink. There's no sacrament. Merely an empty form. If we do not understand this, we cannot understand the reformed conception of the sacraments. It's always been emphasized that a sacrament is sacrament only because of God and the God through Christ. That's always been emphasized. I think, however, that it has not always been emphasized uh, properly uh, that there is no sacrament except in connection with the word of Christ, in connection with the, uh, with the preaching of the word, and the word of the institution of the sacrament. I want to emphasize that especially this morning. And beloved, uh, let me first of all uh, point your attention to the fact that uh, this Lord's Day compares a spiritual nourishment with physical nourishment. In question, the second question and answer of this particular Lord's Day. I think it is. Christ speaks thus not without great reason. 
namely not only thereby to teach us that as bread and wine support this temporal life, so is crucified and shed blood uh, the true meat and drink whereby our souls are fed to eternal life. The same is true of our confession. They also emphasize the same truth, the comparison between physical nourishment and spiritual nourishment. In uh, Article 35 of the Belgic or Netherlands Confession, we read, we believe and confess that our Savior Jesus Christ did ordain and institute the sacrament of the Holy Supper to nourish and support those whom he hath already regenerated and incorporated into his family, which is the church. Now, those who are regenerated have in them a twofold life. The one corporal and temporal, which they have from the first birth, and is common to all men. The other spiritual and heavenly, which is given them in their second birth, which is affected by the word of the gospel in the communion of the body of Christ. And this life is not common, but is peculiar to God's elect. Notice how the confessions always emphasize that the promise and the, and the sacraments, the real sacraments are for the regenerated and for the elect. By the way, I want to say once more that this is also true of baptism. Uh, sacraments are for believers, never for unbelievers. Children are believers as well as adults. Infants are believers just as well as adults. If there's no faith, there is no sacrament. Not even of baptism, not really. Uh, children have the power of faith, although, in a way, they cannot consciously believe, although I, I think they believe too. They believe too, I think. Even as the small infant lives naturally, although he cannot talk, so I think the small infant lives spiritually, although he cannot give account of his faith. I still think that the smallest infant believes. But I have no time to explain that now. Uh, but also the sacrament of the Lord's Supper is for the elect and for the regenerated. That's very plainly stated here. And in like manner God hath given us for the support of the bodily and earthly life earthly uncommon bread, which is subservient thereto, and is common to all men, even as life itself, but for the support of the spiritual and heavenly life, which believers have 
he had sent a living bread, and so on and so forth. The same comparison. Uh, that I think I will, uh, that illustration I will keep to explain to you the real uh, significance of the Lord's Supper in, as a sacrament. Uh, what happens when uh, we take physical nourishment? First of all, this. There is a physical organism and a natural organism. The body and the earthly soul, they belong together. And that natural an earthly organism has life. But the life of that natural and earthly organism is not independent. It has no life in itself. It must be supported. It must be nourished. And the nourishment of that natural and physical organism is in harmony with the organism and is taken from the same world from which that organism was taken at the beginning. Bread, water, and all kinds of nourishment are physical like the physical body and physical organism. And that in the second place. In the third place, we must eat and drink in order to receive that nourishment. That's also true. Stands to reason. In the fourth place, that eaten and drunken Food and drink must be digested, assimilated to become part of our flesh and blood. That's in itself a very wonderful process, but uh, far beyond our comprehension, even in the physical sense. Now then, these four elements uh, that of a living organism, uh, that of external support by food and drink, uh, that of the action of eating and drinking, and that of the action of assimilation, of digesting the food and drink so that it becomes part of our organism is also true spiritually. In every sense, that is spiritual nourishment and spiritual eating and drinking. We have, we have another life. 
not only the physical and natural life, but the life of regeneration. The elect have the life of regeneration. The life of regeneration is altogether peculiar. It is not of this earth. It is not of our present nature. It is not natural. It is not physical. It is not earthy. It is spiritual and heavenly. That life. For that reason, and let me add this first, also that life is not independent. It cannot exist by itself. No life can. It cannot possibly exist by itself. It must be supplied. It must be nourished. From without. But just as the food and drink that supports and nourishes the physical organism together with the soul, also our mind and ideas are supported by our food that we eat, although they're not the same. And so also the spiritual organism demands food and drink that are in harmony with its life. Spiritual food. In the third place, also that spiritual food must be eaten and drunken. Because we assimilate that spiritual food consciously. We are not uh, ever uh, growing up and nourished by a process of forced feeding. And the fourth place, also that spiritual food must be assimilated and digested so that it becomes part of our spiritual organism and we become bone of Christ's bone and blood of Christ's blood and flesh of his flesh. That spiritual food is Christ. I am the bread of life. That's Christ. The spiritual organism must be nourished by such uh, spiritual food as righteousness the forgiveness of sins, knowledge, wisdom, holiness, adoption unto children and heirs, love, light, life eternal. And that, beloved, 
is your food. That you must eat and drink every day. Otherwise you cannot live. Every day you must have the forgiveness of sins. Otherwise you cannot live. Every day you must have righteousness. Otherwise you do not live. Every day you must have the knowledge of God in Christ Jesus and the light of life. Otherwise you cannot walk in the life. Every day you must have the assurance of the adoption of children. Otherwise you do not live. What is that? Where is that food that you need? The answer is Christ. Christ is that food. You must eat and drink Christ. That's essential. Always, day by day, you must eat and drink Christ. And beloved, the central idea of that spiritual food, of that righteousness, both in the forensic and in the ethical sense of the word and of the knowledge of God and wisdom and holiness is in the death of Christ. And not as if the death of Christ is the only element in the spiritual food, but it's the central element. It's not the Christ that lived and sojourned with us in the earth. That is our food. That's modernism. Modernism says Christ has instructed us and the earthly Christ fills us and feeds us unto life. That's nonsense. We must have the dead Christ and the Christ that was dead arose again. Only in the cross and in the resurrection of Jesus Christ our Lord is our spiritual food. Only the cross of Christ is the death of death, is the removal of sin. And the resurrection of Christ is the complete justification and is the eternal life and the revelation of eternal life. Hence, we must have not the Christ as he lived on earth. In fact, not the Christ as he lives now in heaven. Personally, of course not. We must have the Christ as in the counsel of God he stands forever as the one through whom God reconciled us unto himself. Through whom God justified us unto eternal life. That Christ we must have. The only Christ. The Christ of the scripture. 
Only Christ there is. And that Christ, beloved, you have in the Lord's Supper. In the Lord's Supper. And therefore, that bread and wine is the communion of the body and blood of Christ. You understand, not as the Catholics have it, I mean not the Catholics, I mean the Roman Catholics, the Romish Church, and not as the Lutherans have it, they still teach uh, the doctrine of consubstantiation, though some uh, indeed repudiated it, as I read in one of our papers not long ago. They never repudiated their, their confession. And the confession is still the confession of consubstantiation. Uh, that means, beloved, understand, very speaking very sharply, that conception of the Lord's Supper means that the signs work by themselves. When you eat them with your mouth, and chew them, and swallow them, and digest them, you eat and drink Christ together with the food, because according to the Romish church, the signs are changed into the thing itself. And according to the Lutheran Church, the signs are present on the table with the thing itself. In both cases, you understand, all you have to do is eat and drink with your mouth, and inevitably, you eat and drink Christ. That the Reformed Churches always did and still do repudiate. And although it seems difficult sometimes to understand the difference and still maintain the sacramental character of the Lord's Supper, yet after all it is not so difficult. If you remember what I said in the beginning, that the sacrament of the Word belongs together. In other words, Really, in reality, the reality of which the Lord's Supper is a symbol and a sign and a seal, the reality is that Christ imparts himself to us. That first. Christ imparts all the blessings of his salvation to us by the Spirit which he has received. That first. Christ dwells in us when we eat and drink him. That does not mean that by our act of eating and drinking Christ dwells in us, but the dwelling in us of Christ is First, 
spiritually. By his Spirit, Christ imparts himself and all the blessings of salvation to all the elect and to all the regenerated. That first. In the second place, beloved, just as there is never any separation between the Spirit of God and the Word of God, so there is no separation between the sign of the sacrament and the preaching of the Word. As I said, if Christ only imparted, say that you eat, uh, you stand there, uh, sit there and look at the signs and of uh, the bread and wine. And there was all. Say there was no word spoken at all. And then Christ might indeed mystically impart himself in a salvation to us, but you would never know it. But now, uh, that is not all. The Lord's Supper very essentially consists also in the word which Christ speaks. Don't you see that? When next time you celebrate the Lord's Supper, you must pay attention to that. When I say, this is my body, do this in remembrance of me. Eat and drink. When I say that, you have no sacrament. But when Christ says that, even at the moment when you celebrate the Lord's Supper, and Christ speaks his own efficacious word to you, then you have a sacrament. Not otherwise. That is the Reformed conception of the sacrament of the Lord's Supper. There is no sacrament without, without the word, not of me, but the word of God and the word of Christ. Christ, beloved says, as is so beautifully expressed, in the form for the administration of the Lord's Supper. Christ said, I love you, my people. I have loved you, and I do love you, as I showed you in my death. In 
the Lord's Supper, the bridegroom presents the bride with the bridal ring, beloved. With the engagement ring, if you wish. The bridegroom is still gone. He's not present yet. He's coming soon. But he's not present yet with his bride. But in the meantime, he gives to the bride a ring. And he says, that's that's communion. And says to that bride, look at that ring. As long as you do not see me yet, look at that ring and believe and trust that I so love you that I gave myself unto death for you. Believe. Eat and drink. And beloved, when you hear that word, not my word, but the word of Christ, you respond. Do you want to see? Then you respond. And you eat and drink. What? Oh, the signs of the broken bread. Yes. And the wine that is poured out. You eat and drink. But, beloved, while you eat and drink the signs of the broken bread, you eat and drink Christ's flesh and blood. That is, you eat and drink, you assimilate, you eat and drink and digest. the crucified and risen Christ in all the wonder of his salvation, and you are spiritually nourished. That's the Lord's Supper. Have no more time. We must take a collection here too. But, beloved, it's very evident now, isn't it, that this demands a spiritual disposition. And the spiritual disposition is the disposition of the regenerated. No one else but the elect regenerated can partake of the Lord's Supper. He can partake of the signs. If he does nothing else, that's to his condemnation. But he cannot really partake of the eating of the flesh and blood of Christ to his eternal life and nourishment unless he is regenerated first. Sacraments are for believers. No question about that. And believers are the elect. No question about that either. And beloved, only the regenerated need food, subjectively. Only the regenerated can hunger and thirst for the spiritual nourishment 
of the blood and body of Christ. And they do. They do. The trouble is that I must say one more word. Otherwise it's not complete. We are still sinful. The sins of our members often deceive us. In those members are, after all, enmity against God and hatred of one another, malice, envy, adultery, corruption of all kinds. We're not perfect. And, beloved, to partake of the spiritual nourishment of Christ, we must be hungry. And if that carnal mind dominates us, we are not hungry. We may, we may be a child of God, but we are not always hungry because the sin of the flesh often dominates us. And therefore, beloved, you must also hear in order to partake of Christ spiritually and partake of the communion of the body of Christ in the Lord's Supper. That's why we have prepared for you. You must also hear this word of God. Hear it. Put off the old man and put on the new man. Then you will hunger and thirst and be nourished at the Lord's table. Amen. We thank thee, Lord God, for thy word. Forgive our sins. Remember us in grace. Bless us for thy name's sake. Apply thy word unto us unto salvation. Amen.